What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 13 of the East West Quine podcast. I hope everyone's healthy, mentally and physically. We too are hanging in safely here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Have you guys been paying attention to Biden's moves? That's presidential. Leadership to solutions. Biden's got all professionals. And if they fuck up, he'll cut them loose. No malarkey Joe, motherfuckers. But you'll start to feel a shift if you haven't already. The wheels are already in motion. We're opening back up a bit. Round two of 25% capacity in Alameda County restaurants. So we're emerging slowly, but this is the second attempt in my part of the country to get control of the spread of the virus. Vaccines are moving quickly now. This motherfucker tried to ruin the country. Leadership in turbulent times. Doris Kearns Goodwin. Know who you voted for. A Lincoln he was not. Today I want to get into executive orders. Biden's cabinet picks. Some emails, gossip, Sarah Sanders, we'll revisit Rob Ford, and holy shit, Congressman Adam Kinzinger out there in Illinois. Illinois is a conservative state. This congressman is on national news telling his own party to denounce the MAGA movement in Congress and in the Senate right now. We'll get into that first. And of course, we've got our asshole of the week. Speaking of assholes, to my man Ryan out there in Colorado, who is coming at me with 1,200 coal miner jobs that Joe is replacing with clean energy jobs. I'd like to remind you of this, Ryan. 800,000 new unemployment claims every week for the past six, seven months, maybe longer. Because someone wanted to downplay the virus. Fuck off, clown. So grab your coffee black, my man, Captain C. Thanks for listening. And let's get after it. Okay, guys, let's put up Congressman Adam Kinzinger to Congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates is 38 years old, congressman in Florida, one of the states with the worst COVID outbreak. Why? Because Matt Gates and Ron DeSantis chose to let the virus run amok. That is pandemonium. But at Christmas time, Matt Gates shares uh, karaoke videos with staffers. You know, they're dancing and singing. Their staffers are rubbing his back. He got zero rhythm. But hey, Matt Gates, that stupid Christmas video is going to get you a sexual harassment case that the taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill for because you are a United States congressman. And we pay for your success, which are, I don't know, do you? But Congressman Gates, you're partying online and flying all over the country to talk shit about your own colleagues. 
That is a bitch move, Congressman. A bitch ass move. Florida, this guy is a frat boy and he is pandering to the frat boy youth online as a party guy like, woo, party at Congressman Gates' house. Why would anyone want a congressman that's wasting tax dollars and online like he's in, you know, the movie Animal House? But not only, Congressman Gates, are taxpayers paying for your successes, we pay for your failures too. That karaoke video, that Christmas karaoke video with the the young staffers rubbing all over you is a failure. And if I'm a Floridian, I call for your removal right now. Why? Because coming from 30 years in corporate food service and the culinary industry, that type of drunken behavior, I'm sure you guys were drunk. You look drunk. We've all been drunk a time or two. So, you know, we know what drunk people look like, how they act, what they do. They let loose and do dumb shit. That's cool, but you can't do that with people you work with. It can and has been considered sexual harassment. That has cost corporations millions upon millions over the decades in class actions and lawsuits. By your behavior, Matt Gates, you have now put your own state's residents at risk of having to pay for lawsuits or class actions that may be caused by you. That video's out there forever. You guys in Florida need to part ways with this guy. Look at his face. He is trouble. He's got that bad boy look about him. And all you Gen X people listening, all you Gen Xers and above, baby boomers, where did all the bad boys end up in your era, in your youth? Where did all those guys end up? It's the Duncan Hunter type of guy. And side note to Matt Gates, look up Travis Kalanick. And for my listeners, if you don't know, Travis Kalanick, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, was the founder of Uber. Yeah, another young frat boy type of guy, good looking, like Gates. He got thrown out of Uber by the board of directors that he assembled because he was sleeping with his assistants and his co-workers, costing the board members millions upon millions in HR violations and lawsuits, class actions. I'm sitting on a one of those bouncy balls here. Got arthritis, so, you know, got to keep it moving. But anyway, so if you hear that noise, that's what that is. But Travis got thrown out of his own company for doing all that shady shit. So Matt Gates, I'm sorry, little man, you got to go. Florida, you are the board members here. You got a party animal running that shit right there. All right, let's go into executive orders. Everyone's having kittens because Biden is signing executive orders left and right. Fox's hair is on fire. Oh my God, so many executive orders. He's a dictator. We're a country in economic crisis right now. Employment crisis, health crisis, character and integrity crisis. What do you want President Biden to do? Sit on his ass and golf? No, that's not who he is. This is how you manage crises. This is how you lead a country out of crisis. You plan, you execute, you act quick to minimize the damage or risk. I think we're over now 400,000 recorded deaths. That's just recorded. 
Biden and Harris ain't golfing. They're undoing Trump's attack on the poor and working class. And I'd personally like to thank President Biden and Vice President Harris for their executive order today restoring Medicaid benefits to the people on SSI and Medicaid. Back to the quality care that those individuals received under President Obama. Trump had squeezed that budget so fucking tight that people who are on SSI and Medicaid, usually poor people, they weren't getting quality care. They weren't getting the medication they need to survive because their benefits didn't cover certain meds or care under President Trump anymore. So thank you for restoring that, President Biden. And I've said this before, and I'll say it till my dying day. Businessmen, CEOs, like a Trump, they squeeze budgets to make profit. The problem with that is, is that when you squeeze a budget in government, it's not a widget or a load you have to haul or a product that goes on a shelf. When you squeeze a budget in government, it's people. How did poor people willingly vote for this? Seniors deserve the best medical care. So thank you again, President Biden, for that executive order. Choices. Okay, before we move on to the Biden cabinet picks, let's shore up the Matt Gates Adam Kinzinger comparison. We already know about Matt Gates. Adam Kinzinger is, I think, 44, six term congressman, conservative Republican, but works across the aisle. At Christmas, he was not getting drunk with his staffers or acting a fool on social media. What he was doing on social media was sharing pictures of his family and his animals. Look at his face. He's a good guy. He'll be president someday if he can band the Republican Party together and pull away from the MAGA people. But you can just see leadership and humanity in him. He's a good guy. A good, regular guy. Okay, on to Biden's cabinet picks. The infield of Biden's cabinet... And before we, you know, get into shit talking, but we're going to, you know, get a little bit more into Biden's cabinet and uh, anyone who wants to challenge or put up any one of the revolving and even criminal Trump cabinet picks throughout the Trump presidency, I might add. And in comparison to a Biden cabinet pick, I say, please challenge me at info at eastwestgrind.com and I'll respond to that email here on the show. And I'll send, you know, I'll send you packing with a quickness, respectfully, in regards to the character of who you are making the comparison to, a Trump cabinet pick, to a Biden cabinet pick. Let me give you an example real quick. Here's an example. Here's that example. Joe Biden's pick for White House press secretary is Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki graduated from William and Mary one of the top colleges in the country. John Stewart went there. Thomas Jefferson went there. William and Mary is in Virginia. Google that shit. But Jen Psaki, P-S-A-K-I, graduated with a degree in English and sociology. Sociology is the study of human society and different classes of people who live in those societies. With those degrees in that specific field of sociology, Jen Psaki's job 
is in making societies better. Jen Psaki is an expert in that field. And because she was that good at it, she must be like a great problem solver or communicator, right? I mean, to organize and improve communities at scale. And again, she's the White House press secretary. Press secretary. That's communications. Okay, so put a pen in Jen Psaki as Biden's pick. And in comparison to Trump's White House press secretary, remember, we're still in the example of qualified people we were talking about earlier. So let's again put a pin in Saki for a minute, and I want to go on. Wait, quick side note before I, I do move on. When I was in school, the school lunches were terrible for you. This is the public school system. They tasted really good, though. Those frozen pizzas at the time, hella salt and chemicals and the Salisbury steak and those pizzas, the mashed potatoes, bad for you, but fucking good. In the free lunch system at school, it was good. It was acceptable. But that was the mid 70s and 80s. And that is what public school systems made available to those neighborhood public schools. Who was president back then? Maybe Ford, Carter. Reagan, it was right after the whole processed, you know, food, TV, dinner craze started. Processed meals, you know, made it easier for already overwhelmed moms who now in the 70s and 80s had to work and still manage the household. Cost of living was rising. Wages were not. Enter the two income family and TV dinners that coincidentally Tucker Carlson is an heir to with the Swanson TV dinner outfit. Now, do you remember when Obama was the president, anyone over 30 with kids, but under Obama, remember a few things had changed in the public school meals. And I believe this change started under Clinton. And if you're my age, just ask your own kids, they'll tell you. But in the 90s, public school systems had started, like I said, in the Clinton years, to move away from processed lunches and incorporate fruits into the school meals. Then under Obama, lunches at public schools consisted of more carrots and celeries and apples, nuts. The Obama administration had rolled back the use of processed foods even more than Clinton did. Processed foods are cheap and filled with chemicals that may or may not have some adverse effect on the flow of one's own endogenous brain chemicals and brain activity throughout life. Watch Supersize Me 1 and 2. You'll learn a little bit more about processed foods and the chemicals that go in to those processed uh, meals that we either ate or still eat. Processed foods, you know, are, are pretty much few and far between for me, but the children or adults and the children of those adults who consume mostly processed foods throughout life, they are dying at a younger age than the older generations and or are having real hard, like serious health issues at a younger age. That is happening. Is there a correlation? I don't know. I'm sure there is. But Michelle Obama was behind the healthy eating programs for all kids, uh, including and especially the public school kids. The Obamas were weaning generations 
of kids off of processed foods. And our government, our states were providing more cleaner, pesticide-free foods like our grandmas made for our moms and for us as kids. Now, here's how this side note ties into the White House press secretary. Guess who was the communications director under Obama? Jen Psaki. She was leading teams that made those healthier meals happen in the the public school systems. A sociologist at work. Jen motherfucking Psaki. Now, the last administration, here's where the comparison's going to come in, had Kaylee McEnany, who was in the role that Jen Psaki now holds as a, a White House press secretary. Kaylee McEnany is a lawyer. She is trained to argue and worm her way out of shit. And that is exactly what she did her entire term in the White House as the press secretary. And sidebar again, we vote people into office. And when the people or the press have questions for those elected people, it don't matter how dumb one thinks the question may be. They're still obligated to answer the question and tell us the truth. You think it was easy to listen to Chanel Rion from OWN ask questions like, so how's the border wall coming? Like, while the economy is tanking and the pandemic was, you know, spreading. No, it was not easy to listen to her. But there she was. But Kaylee McEnany versus Jen Psaki, I've just given you facts, my friends. Now, who is credible, credentialed, and experienced? If Kaylee McEnany is your choice, I'm going to need you to send me an email on why you think an attorney rather than a communications director slash sociologist is better suited to inform the country of what our government is doing. I'm interested in your thoughts. Email me at info at eastwestgrind.com. Come at me, guys. All right, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Speaking of White House press secretaries, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is running for governor of Arkansas. Sarah Sanders is the second of four White House press secretaries in the Trump administration. Sean Spicer was the first of the four liars. Two minutes, guys. You're going to love this. Next on C-SPAN, the daily White House press briefing with Press Secretary Sean Spicer.
please. I'll get back to you. As you know, President Trump announced his Supreme Court pick on the national TV. Today, when he entered the room, the crowd greeted him with a standing ovation, which lasted a full 15 minutes. And you can check the tape on that. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was happy. The men all had erections. And every single one of the women was ovulating left and right. <laughs> that, of course, was Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live. I ain't uh, playing that Dancing with the Stars mess on the grind if I don't have to, unless I'm fact-checking something. Dancing with the Stars, they put him in a yellow blouse. We've talked about this, maybe episode eight, nine, whatever. I think the producers made that move on purpose. And he's so self-absorbed, he didn't even realize it. What does yellow represent? Cowardly. A shirt that is fluffy is a blouse. And his shirt was fluffy. I'd say it was a blouse. Draw your own conclusions. Google the video. This guy was once respected in Washington as a Republican communications director, like Jen Psaki in the Obama administration. But Sean Spicer will have a very hard time finding legitimate communications jobs ever again. He's over at Newsmax with the, with that... Um, American Propaganda Conspiracy Channel with a show called Spicer & Co. He's the guy that would have a Lauren Boebert or a Marjorie Taylor Greene on, on his show. And of course, those women and, you know, guys like that, like, they're on the floor of Congress looking for fights, for fights. It's so dumb. But that is where Sean Spicer is right now. If Newsmax survives and continues to pull siphon uh, viewers from Fox, Sean Spicer will probably be the Sean Hannity of Newsmax in like five years. That must be what he's going for, because he can't go back to, you know, any sort of honest politics. But as we circle back to the Biden cabinet picks, the starters, if you, if you will, Anthony Blinken is taken over for, not Rex Tillerson, he was the first one, but Anthony Blinken is taking over for Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State. Secretary of State deals with all the foreign leaders on behalf of America. Mike Pompeo was a senator prior to holding this job. And Anthony Blinken had been working in foreign policy since the Clinton years. Anthony Blinken was an advisor to Biden when he was the VP. One should have extensive knowledge in foreign policy and treaties and international laws to sit at the head of that department in our government. Don't you think? Don't you want the best of the best? Don't we all want the best of the best, especially in our government? You got to know what you're doing. If you perform surgery, you should know what you're doing in government. Same principles. There are uh, repercussions for lack of experience in, in, such, in these type of positions. We happen to be living through the vast lack of experience of the prior administration. But you get uh, the right, the idea, right? What I'm trying to convey is that Biden's placing qualified professionals with skin in the game, like an A-team, because we're in the fucking weeds right now. Anyone who's ever worked in a kitchen or behind a bar knows exactly 
what I'm talking about and what it feels like to be in the weeds. But that's the type of leadership Biden's placing at the head of the government to help steer us, you know, out of this chaos as our as our country like pulls itself together. I think that's fair to put the right put the aces in their places, right? I want a professional to work on my car. I want a professional to do my mammogram next week. I want a government professional running our government and keeping us safe, making sure everybody's equal, making sure everybody has an opportunity. But the elected officials, that is on us. The senators and Congress, we put those guys in their seats. If we're just checking boxes and shit, you know, it's all sideways in our community and we just boom, check a box, check your mayor or check, you know, whatever. And you don't know who you're putting there. You can't ask what the hell's going on in my community if you don't know who you put in there. You got to check these folks out. They have to be like vetted. Put the time in to find out who they are, if they've had any scandals. And I know I said I wasn't going to run for office, but I'm thinking about running out here in California come 2022. I believe it's District 9 out here. I'm thinking about it, guys. I just might. I thought I was too rough around the edges, but I'm not a criminal or a conspiracy theorist, Lauren Boebert, and I'm certainly not living in a reality that does not exist. Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Side note, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Alex Jones helped fund the January 6th event. See? Imagine your craziest drugged out friend, family member, cousin, whatever, or uncle, whatever, plotting to take over the government. That is Alex Jones. How do you guys think that would turn out? About the same as it did on January 6th? Mass incarceration, some facing decades in jail, their lives turned upside down forever. They're known not as patriots, but as traitors to their nation, insurrectionists. Some on hunger strides because they can't get organic food in jail. And as a side note, Trump's entire legal team has quit just before his trial begins. But he's just, you know, after those first five left, he's just shored up uh, Jeffrey Epstein's attorney and Bill Cosby's attorney. <laughs> I don't think this is going to look good. I don't think it's going to look good for him. Okay, circling back to maybe me running for Congress. Ninth District in California, watch out, here comes trouble, maybe. Jamie Harrison, if you're listening, let's primary Jerry McNerney, McInerney, I don't know, but it's a possibility. And back to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, what good are these ladies going to do for their districts that they represent? They're there to fight and gossip and spread lies, not to solve problems. If those two whack-a-moles can be congresswomen, so the fuck can I. I'll clean up my language, of course. And let's not forget this congressman Madison Cawthorn, 25-year-old congressman. What's he know about life, let alone overseeing an entire district of almost 775,000 people? This kid worked at Chick-fil-A, his first major job, I think. You know, it's a first-time job, fast food. He's been under Mark Meadows, under his tutelage, 
since he was like 18 as an assistant of some sort, like, you know, getting his feet wet in politics, young Madison. But he got into a car crash when he was like 18, left him paralyzed. So he was in therapy and healing for like three years. Then Mark Meadows brought him back. He's a staffer. Boom. He's handsome. He's got a story of fighting back. Wins his first run in Congress. I'm going to keep my eye on his district. This will be very interesting. He's a young man, very, very inexperienced in life. A 25-year-old rich kid is in Congress representing 775,000 people. Say that out loud. Fuck yes, I can run for Congress. I'll keep you posted on if. Let's see how this podcasting gig works out. But again, we'll go back to Biden's picks right now. And just to be clear, all Biden's picks that I name off are of the same caliber of a Jen Saki and an Anthony Blinken. So remember, if we're comparing battleships and you're going to send those emails, make sure you know the history of the ships you're putting up against mine in terms of, you know, Trump and Biden cabinet picks. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go down the list. And this is a short list. Secretary of Defense, first black Secretary of Defense, retired General Lloyd Austin. Secretary of Homeland Security, once confirmed, will be Alejandro Mayorkas, first immigrant and Latino to serve in that position. Director of National Security, Arvel Haynes. She's in charge of like 17 agencies that advise the president on the security. Ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. Secretary of Treasury is Janet Yellen. She takes over for Steve Mnuchin. If you recall and have been listening to the East-West Grind, Steve Mnuchin is the guy Trump hired from Wall Street, the swamp, and who took his wife to the Mint to take pictures with newly printed money. So fucking shallow. But that's, you know, episode four or five. Some other picks are Merrick Garland for Attorney General. If you remember, Merrick Garland was up for Justice uh, Anton Scalia's seat in the Supreme Court after Justice Scalia's sudden death. But Obama nominated Merrick Garland for that seat with just under a year left in his uh, Obama's second term. And Mitch McConnell and then said, nope, no lame duck president's uh, Supreme Court picks. Can't do it. Won't do it. To that nominee. This is the last year. Uh, of a lame duck president. And if Ted Cruz or Donald Trump get to be president, they've all asked us not to confirm or take up a selection by President uh, Obama. So if a vacancy occurs in their last year of their first term, guess what? You will use their words against them. I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, who it, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. One of my proudest moments is when I looked at Barack Obama in the eye and I said, Mr. President, you will not fill this Supreme Court vacancy. And then in the last three months or two months of the Trump administration, they all placed Amy Coney Barrett on the court's after RBG died. Don't now, don't ever send those 
hypocrisy on the left emails ever. Please don't do it. But what else we got in Biden's picks? We got uh, Xavier Becerra from California taking over for Alex Azar as Secretary of Health and Human Services. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is Secretary of Transportation. Mayor Buttigieg was the first openly gay candidate to run for president in the 2020 race. And the Secretary of Transportation is going to be former governor of Michigan and who always always takes former governor and Trump ass kisser Rick Santorum to task every time they debate on at the national level. I think that's episode four or seven of the East West grind to catch up on, on these three last names that I just spoke about. But that badass former governor of Michigan that I just talked about is from San Carlos High School. Another East Bay heavy hitter is Jennifer Granholm. G-R-A-N-H-O-L-M. But this is just a handful of Biden's picks that most may have heard of. They are legit. They are qualified. And we will now, like I said, start to feel the country shift back into stability as a country and on the global stage. And I think it'll happen swiftly. We get daily press briefings back in the White House again. The Trump administration had slowly eliminated those briefings down to basically zero. And then when they did have them, Kayleigh McEnany would just come out and scream at the the media. Not really scream, but you know what I mean. Just shit talk, call names, whatever, whatever. But I'll keep researching these folks, all these cabinet picks. It's really exciting. And I'll keep you guys posted on who, what, where, when, why, And the history of all these guys. Cool? All right, cool. Gossip. Let's get into the gossip. The stock market today went sideways. AMC Theater and GameStop unexpectedly took off. And trading activity stopped in those companies' shares like twice today. Robinhood CEO says they didn't do anything illegal. I'll put the Investopedia article in the notes below. But old school investors like Charles Schwab and Ameritrade shit their beds today. They lost billions with those stocks. These trading companies like Charles Schwab and Ameritrade and all the others that took out what's called heavily shorted positions on the assumption that GameStop and AMC theaters are going to take nosedives. AMC has been talking bankruptcy since, you know, the middle or towards the end of, well, they're still talking bankruptcy in this pandemic. Can you imagine that? The movie theater shut down for good. It's nice to see drive-ins, you know, open up. I've seen a few open up. They've been able to make some happen here at the Pleasanton Fairground. San Jose's got one. But it's, it's nice to see those again. Anyways, Wall Street investors thought they were going to make a profit on the failure of the movie theater and GameStop and what appears to be like right before their short-term agreements were about to expire and the you know and the investors were about to make a killing on predicting that AMC and GameStop would fold and boom Reddit tech dudes investors swooped in and invested in the theaters and GameStop sending their stock prices over like 300% on AMC and 150% on GameStop. GameStop. Charles Schwab and those crooks 
Like I said, shit the bed, Loretta. They lost over 100% of their investment because the bills were due and the stocks didn't fall to the lows projected. Those stocks got a shot of, you know, Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. And if you had, if you had money in AMC failing that you gave your broker control of through your 401k, your, your stock just took that shit too. Follow me in this vein for a minute. I'm going to connect something here. February 3rd, 2017. I'll put it in the, the show notes too. Trump rolls back Obama era fiduciary regulations. Trump's executive order was to roll back fiduciary duties or loyalty that the broker has to their client. I'm a real estate agent and you are trained or taught about fiduciary duties and your responsibilities to your client above all things, as it should be, right? I mean, these brokers are handling your money in terms of buying, you know, a home or, or, or in your retirement money, whatever. These guys are making moves for you. They should be committed to making the best decisions for you, not for them, not what they think the market's going to be without your approval. But Obama put regulations in place to protect the people's money after that crash. Google Dodd-Frank. But if your broker fucked you over, you could sue his ass with Obama shit, whatever he put in. The Dodd-Frank. Episode, I think, five or six for our new listeners. Welcome. But why did Trump make that his order of business, like his first order of business, after he took office in 2017 on an executive order? Reversing that safety net put in place to protect regular people's retirement money. There's a lot of uh, Wall Street crooks out there doing, you know, pump and dumps with other people's money, selling off uh, subprime mortgages. The Wolf of Wall Street. It's a great movie. It's a true story, too, about Jordan Belford. Check it out. He's like a main reason why these fiduciary duties or, or these laws were put into place. But why would former President Trump roll back that protection and open that door back up to criminals again? I'm just asking the question. What's the logical answer? We already know what happens if there are no protections, if there are no fiduciary duties from the broker to the client. Those systems were put in place to protect the people and they were rolled back. Why? I'm just curious. Okay, GameStop and AMC again. So the Reddit nerds, respectfully, got together and plunked a ton of money into those stocks, forcing those heavily shorted position investors to have to come up with billions that they didn't have on hand. Well played, millennial Reddit entrepreneurs. And for all the people that are like, oh, the tech industry, monopoly, one, go fuck yourself. Because two, GameStop and AMC are not the same industry as tech. And three, let's get into that real quick. Stocks and insider trading. Remember Kelly Loeffler? We just lost her Georgia Senate seat to Reverend Raphael Warnock out there in sweet Georgia, who is a multimillionaire already. Remember her husband owns the stock exchange, episode nine or 10, but Loeffler, as a senator, got briefed on COVID coming this way and what our country could expect. 
And instead of telling or warning her constituents what was coming down the pipe, she sold off her shares in the retail industry, which, as we all know, has tanked along with the restaurant industry. But Kelly Loeffler took her money out of retail stocks and put that money into stocks of PPE. Coincidence? Sure it is. Psych. The Republican Party is going through some growing pains right now. The Republican Party is like eating its own. Matt Gates, like I said earlier, flew down to Wyoming where Congresswoman Liz Cheney is and held a rally with her constituents. Get them to vote her out. This is the same business model Rob Ford used down there in Canada. Listen to the gravy train, episode two of the East West Grind. It's on Luminary. But Rob Ford would go out of his district as mayor and schmooze other districts' constituents against their mayor or representatives. This fucking Matt Gates, he's a sneaky little yes-man fucker. Don't you have a job to do in Florida, Representative Gates? Your state's infested with COVID, and you're chasing Liz Cheney around Wyoming. Is what you're doing? How did you get elected? Liz Cheney, though, she's kind of a badass. I don't think this stunt will work well for Congressman Gates, but we'll see. We'll see how this unfolds. 2022 is just around the corner. All right, let's slide into emails. Tammy in Brussels. Brussels? That's fucking Belgium, man. Welcome to the East-West Grind, Tammy. Fun fact, the folks in Brussels speak Dutch and French. So bonjour and danke. And a quick question to all my listeners. Do you think if Americans visit or moved to Brussels and we speak or spoke our native English language. But do you think that the residents of that country would say to the Americans speaking English in Brussels, hey, speak French or Dutch, you're in Belgium, or go back to your country? I hope they wouldn't say that. That would be so mean. Am I right? Anyways, Tammy in Brussels says, I like your show. Okay, I'm not going to try and do a Dutch accent. That sounds like, you know, the Lucky Charms guy. And he was from Ireland, I think. But Tammy says, I like your show. We watched in horror as your Washington Capitol buildings were attacked. For the past four years, our country has been praying for all Americans. We're so happy you elected leaders were, oh, your elected leaders were not harmed. You're fucking awesome, Tammy. It has been quite the experience and the experiment over here. Thanks for listening, and please pass the show on to your friends and loved ones, you know, that uh, that you trust and you love. Thanks for listening. Samuel in Bakersfield says, President Trump was the most hardest working president in history, and he will win in 2024. Beware of the Patriot Party. No, sir, he was not, Samuel. He was not the hardest working president, and uh, it's to be determined whether he can or cannot run, depending on how the the second impeachment goes. I'd say Republicans beware. If Trump, in fact, starts the Patriot Party, that then splits the Republican vote between the traditional Republican Party and the new ones. 
guaranteeing a democratic presidency maybe forever. Forever. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the peace chained up like a slave. They said until forever. 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 But Samuel in Bakersfield, Sir Trump golfed, he golfed every weekend. He sat on how bad COVID was for the first three months while people were getting sick and dying. He took thousands of kids away from their parents. Some, some parents they can't even find yet. That's just a few things. We're in a recession due to his incompetence. I mean, I'm not, I'm not fucking with these type of questions anymore, Samuel. It's time to level up. If you follow me, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to see some changes moving forward. And the listeners that want to profess their domestic violence love for Trump, you're just going to have to, you know, stay there until you're ready to leave him. But go on ahead back to the beginning of the East West Grind podcast. There's a whole series done over the past three months. Please check it out. Then get back to me. If you're still in the same mindset with your beloved, you know, Jim Jones reincarnated. I wish you well. Good luck. Allison in Long Beach. Allison in Long Beach. The Dems are talking about unity, but they won't leave Trump alone with this impeachment. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the East West Grind. No, ma'am, I am not. Or actually, I am with the Dems. There, there must be accountability for all that participated that participated in and talked about the shit that was going to happen on the 6th, on January 6th, the attempted hostile takeover. What if it was ISIS that tried to, you know, the same shit over there at the Capitol? How would you expect us to handle them? This is called accountability for your actions. The shaman is facing 28 years, my friend. He's in jail like, what the fuck have I done? just fucking dumb. I'm with it. Accountability for everyone across the board, rich and poor. Pay your dues. Thanks, Allison. Ariel in Alabama says, hey, East West, conspiracy theories are the deep state's way of hiding information from us. Oh God. There's a vi- there's video proof of 9-11 being an inside job. You can see on YouTube the windows were blown out of the towers before the collapse of those buildings. The government is hiding this from us. Oh, my God. Okay. Allison, was it? Or Ariel? You're in the wrong podcast, Miss Ariel. This email is a waste of both of our times, but I'll poke a hole in your claims and then God fucking speed to you. You know what I mean? No disrespect. Okay. The Twin Towers building were built, let's, let's just, just follow me in this vein. The Twin Tower buildings were built from the ground up. Agreed? Okay. So there are pillars and metal and whatever else they use to make sure a building stays in place and doesn't collapse. Agreed? Construction workers do this. That's why you can take an elevator to like the hundredth floor of the Empire State Building. Infrastructure. Okay, so... Your logic for 9-11 being an inside job is because windows, some windows blew out in the towers before the actual collapse, right? 
Like there was an explosion in the building, right? Fuck yes, there was an explosion. Two planes flew into those, to the tops of those buildings and rested there until the buildings collapsed. How much, how much do planes weigh? Hundreds of thousands of tons, right? There was so much pressure and weight on the foundation of the top of those buildings that of course the windows and walls were going to blow out first. But the foundation and the structure of those twin towers was working hard to hold all that added weight plus the gas and I mean the gas in the in the plane. I mean just the weight alone. The sides of the building which included or which includes windows blew out first, yes, causing the collapse. It was the weight, the pressure. Imagine you have a person on your shoulders who weighs double your weight. You're going to fall over because your knees are going to give out. Then you collapse. Same principles. It's math, physics, logic. Come on, my friend, do better. Stop watching Alex Jones and listening to Rush Limbaugh. Steve Bannon and those guys, they're all fucking nuts. And they're taking you Actually, they're taking advantage of your weakness. That is what they do. They're all jackals. J-A-C-K-A-L-S. Thanks for all the emails, guys. We're trying to get back to you as soon as we can. We appreciate all your patience and just reading all the stuff. We have a great time reading and, you know, making sense of everything. It's, uh, I, I really appreciate you. All right, so let's shift gears. We're at the asshole segment of the East West Grind podcast. Welcome back to the asshole of the week. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole too, sir. Gunner's mate, first class, Philip Asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Antonio Sabato Jr., you're an asshole. Let me paint the picture for you guys. Last week, Antonio Sabato Jr. tweeted out a picture of Andrew Gillum, episode one of the East-West Grind. Quick review, though. Andrew Gillum is a former mayor in Florida. Andrew Gillum was photographed by his male hooker friend, meth out of his face on the floor of like a Motel 6 or something like that. This was like 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2019. But Jagger shares that image like, oh, look at the Dems and their candidates. Like Andrew Gillum was running for office. Andrew Gillum's political career with the Democratic Party has been over since that event. He might have better luck switching parties. Yeah, because the Republican Party, they don't give a fuck what you do. They'll just throw money behind you if you continue, if you're good at selling their, you know, their corporate bullshit and their lies to the poor people. But anyways, Antonio Sabato Jr. was selling this picture as something new to his 500,000 plus followers, or he was attempting to plant that seed of this was like a current member of the Democratic Party or he's running for office when he tweeted that out when he tweeted that naked picture of Andrew Gillum out. So I see it, and I, I go, okay. So I tweet back, Hey, do you want to get into this shit, underwear boy? Gillum was thrown out of the party. But let's get into 
Rudy Giuliani, and that weird episode on Borat 2, not to mention the hair dye episode and the presidential news conferences held in alleys and in front of porn shops? Or how about the campaign manager for Trump, Brad Parscale, arrested and out of his mind crying because his wife would not put out? Finally, and this is just one more, how about Michael Caputo and his Facebook Live crazy where he was talking about how vents in his house or hotel were talking to him? Trump put him very high up in the HHS. These are the highest level of government that Trump placed these people. And after that fiasco, Michael Caputo went on, on Facebook Live, he suddenly went on a leave of absence to be with his family and he never came back. And these guys that I just, these three I just named that I sent over to that Jagger guy, all these guys, they're not elected people. These are people put into position by the president at the time. So I fucking send that shit out. I said, fuck it, I'm going to send it to him. So Antonio Sabato Jr. responds with, uh, I bet you were the one that took that picture, stupid Democrat. This is how dumb he is. He didn't know any history of that photo. He just shared it like it was new. This from the guy who left his beloved Ventura County District to try and run for politics in Florida because Maxine Waters fucked him up in the last race. Then Antonio Sabato Jr. on what I believe to be his burner account because we all got him. But he takes a picture of my Twitter followers and his Twitter followers. And he's like, see, look, I got hella followers. I'm like, at this point, all I can do is laugh. Look how dumb that sounds. You have nothing to respond with except I got more followers than you. Like a junior high school kid. And I think like there must have been a memo sent out to the Republican Party to push your Twitter, your Twitter followers as a means of, you know, representing your cool or, or your people listen to you. The young wolf, Luke Negron out there in Pennsylvania, episode seven, I think. He pulled that same shit on me last week. I got so many more followers than you. My response? So? At that point, it ended because what's that even mean? So what? But <sighs> Matt Gates also pulled that desperate shit on Sean Hannity about Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Project last week. It's just so dumb. Oh, I got, I got more followers than Rick Wilson. What is that big deal? So after that exchange with uh, Antonio Sabato Jr., he's like hashtag blocked. I'm like, yeah, bitch, you got nothing. I'll add you, Antonio Sabato Jr., to the list with Scott Baio, Chachi, Jack Posobiec, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jenna Ellis, Jason Chavitz, and a slew of others who can't answer simple political or policy questions that I pose to them. So they block the party of accusing others of cancel culture, can't answer shit, so they cancel. See how they talk out of uh, both sides of their mouths? You're a fucking asshole, Jagger. You're a fucking asshole, Jagger. Looks fade, my man. And you got shit for brains. You are fucked up. Go fuck yourself. See you around town with the girl I love. 
Fridays, I'm out. Next week, I'm planning some right-wing talk radio and podcast clips that we can debunk right here on next week's show of the East West Grind podcast. Because history's recorded. I can call out all you motherfuckers on your lies, and I can point to it. But we're going to get into that next week. We can laugh at them together. I also want to dig into the fairness doctrine that President Reagan rolled back that has to do with having to have some integrity and honesty in reporting. Why'd Reagan roll that back anyways? Allowing news to throw shade around the truth. I don't know. But Fox and Roger Ailes came shortly after that. I'll keep you guys posted on what I'm finding out about Biden's picks. I expect to find zero scandals coming from that administration. Just like the Obama administration. But I'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week. And as always, I got your back, guys. Love and peace. Peace. Peace.